right, testing. One, two. Okay, I think my microphone's working this time. Should be good. All right, everyone. Episode nine of the Active Mission Podcast. I hope you all had a great 24 hours without hearing my voice. I know, I know. I wanted to get this out to you guys as quickly as possible for a couple of reasons, really. This is going to be a bit of a longer episode. I just wanted to really share a lot of what was on my mind as of recent, especially with things like... I don't know, really. Just major life changes, major uh, realizations about who I am and what I'm learning, especially as I go through the creative process, especially as I learn and narrow down more what I want out of a career and out of a path in my life. And I'm really excited to share that with you guys and some stuff that I've gotten to learn these past couple of days as well. First off, I want to give a huge thanks to you guys, the listeners. We have 78 total listeners as of today, guys. I am extremely grateful for that. Thank you so much for putting in the time and effort to listening to what I'm putting out for you guys. Because again, I'm doing this for you all. I'm doing this because I want you all to have something to look forward to, to get some insight and perspective from other creatives because that's near and dear to my heart. And it's something that isn't talked about nearly enough. Really, at the end of the day, it's it's a super important thing for all of us to really be attentive of and... Any way that I can inspire you guys at this point is something that I want to pursue doing because, to be honest, nine episodes in, I'm having a blast doing this. I have learned to overcome a lot of insecurity about my voice, about the way that I talk, and get some really good feedback from all of you about what you want to hear, what you want to see, and kind of like what's leaning towards being a little more popular content-wise, but guys, this is... Super cool. Thank you so much. I'm really grateful for the 78 listeners we have so far. My goal now is to get to 125 by the end of the month. Guys, that's only what, if I can do math, shoot, 47 more people, guys. I know it's a random number, but I think we can do it, all right? Cool. I It's all it's all up to you guys. I'm going to spread the word on my part. I need you guys to tell your friends, family, coworkers, anybody who you think could benefit from this or who's just curious to learn, guys. I'm passionate about this. I'm excited to see what the future holds for it. So by now, I bet some of you are wondering about this guest situation. It's been a little hectic. You know, we have to understand people have lives, families, emergencies, sickness, illness, it happens. Uh, hey guys, so my roommate was just pounding on my window. It kind of scared me a little bit. It's okay, I deserved it. I, I snuck up behind him on his window and scared him a bit, so I guess it evens out. It's all fun and games until someone has a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was fun. Back to the guest situation, though. There's a... Uh, you know, we have sickness. We have life events. We have stuff happen, guys. I did want to apologize about how long it's taken. Sometimes, you know, things just happen. You gotta roll with the punches. But I really appreciate your guys' continued patience in this. It's not... An ideal situation by any means, but it's definitely the one we have to live in right now. So that's that's pretty much all we can really do with it at this point. I'm not gonna, you know, there, there's really only so much I can do at this point. But I did want to say I was able to secure a guest as of today. My friend Kyle Erlinson, who is a graphic designer and who does honestly pretty incredible work as a visual communicator and designer. He's going to join us here in a couple weeks, and we're going to talk about, you know, not only his creative process, but how we see the world and the importance of actually how we communicate with each other through a visual sense and why it's so important moving forward that 
regardless of whether or not we have a talent or specific skill set for it, how communication makes our lives better all around. Yeah, it's going to be an awesome episode. I'm really excited to bring that to you guys. That is going to come at the end of this month, probably the 28th of February. So guys, if you hold out that long, I promise that is an episode you are not going to want to miss. Now, as far as Sheepdog with Trevor and Chad, that is still in the works again, just hectic scheduling, trying to get everybody on the same page all at once. It's definitely going to happen, but at the moment, it is currently to be determined. So, I will let you all know as soon as possible when that is happening, but in the meantime, just bear with us and we'll get you that episode, I promise. So, going back to the topics of this episode... We're going to be talking about boundaries today, everybody. This is, uh, this is a long time in the making, and I'm excited to bring it to you. So, uh, yeah, if you're new here, welcome to the Active Mission Podcast. This is episode nine, Defining the Boundary. Well, we can't go back. We don't know where to begin. All the light drains out. We can't try making amends. Boundaries. All right, who is she? I don't even know her, you know? How do we, uh... We, we've heard this thrown around a lot of times, you know? I'm, I come from a faith background, and I'm currently in a church community in Boundaries. I remember when I first came around, we talked about somewhat. I think it's something that a lot of people tend to reserve for if you are in a relationship or married. Um, but I think in a lot of ways, not just those two areas, it applies to pretty much every area of our life. You know, I was pretty open and vulnerable recently about burnout and what that looks like. It's because at the end of the day, really, I have a bad sense of setting a personal boundary for myself on how much work I want to take on. Of the expectations I have of myself and this false perception of others' expectations of me. Guys, it's not, it's not worth it to give so much of yourself for nothing that's helping you or growing you, you know. You don't owe anybody anything. I don't owe anybody anything. I do what I do because I love the people that I'm around. And I want to serve in a way that impacts people's lives for, for pretty much anything that helps make their lives easier. And enhances their way of living to the point of... You know, I can experience comfort in a world that's pretty hectic and crazy. I, uh, I went through spiritual gifts results, too. And I, I learned, you know, whether or not you believe in spiritual gifts or not, I learned through my, my top three being prophecy, craftsmanship, and exhortation. Exhortation, for those of you who don't know, is uh, basically encouragement. I have a very strong passion for encouraging people, which is, you know, hence why I'm doing this podcast. But also because it's vitally important to do that. It's something that we need to really focus on in our lives as far as, you know, showing love towards the people in our lives. We've heard of the five love languages before. Whatever that may be, I think all of them do relate to and have a sense of encouragement with them. So, that's... 
yeah, that's pretty much how I feel about the love languages anyway. They all come back to the same point for me where it's like, okay, I'm still trying to encourage the person I love using one of these five tactics. If you guys haven't read that book, I think it's Gary Chapman who wrote it. Fantastic book. Highly recommend the 10 out of 10, you know, the works, however that goes. But um, again, like boundaries, this could be in our jobs, this can be in our creative work and our projects, this can be in friendships, relationships, really anything in our lives that requires us to take any kind of risk. There's, and I feel like especially in more of the friendship and relationship side, it's really important to respect ourselves and what we are able to and not able to do. You know, we talk about, you know, timing and God's timing or just the timing in general for when events happen in our lives. And there are moments where we know how to do something because we've gained that skill set and then moments where we don't. And there are times where I know I personally feel that, oh, I might be ready to take that on. I could totally, you know, cliff jump off of this 400 foot drop. But I don't know how parachutes work. You know, it's, it's, I know it's kind of a weird example, but that's kind of how I feel about boundaries. It's like, I feel like I can take this risk now, but I haven't learned the basics yet. I haven't laid a foundation yet. And guys, unfortunately, that's reality for a lot of people. That's, um, that's how that works. You either have a skill set right away because you spent the time working on it, or you don't. And both of those are okay. You know, nobody can be... A superhero nobody should be expected to be you know we uh i feel like a lot of us especially is especially as men i'm not i haven't really met too many women who have had similar issues even though i'm sure there are but i feel like especially as men we tend to define ourselves based off of the quality of our work the quantity of our work oh look how long i'm working look how hard i'm working i'm just gonna say it i don't nobody cares how hard or how long you work nobody's trying to one-up each other here. One-upping people is selfish. You know, I used to be guilty of it. It's something that, something that I have to keep myself in check on constantly because at the end of the day, I don't want to make a conversation about somebody else about me. I used to have a bad habit of doing that because I felt the need that I needed to measure up. And that just simply wasn't true. And that was a very childish way to go about things. And now that I'm older, I mean, I'm going to be approaching my technically in my mid-20s right now, but I'll be 25 in a month and a half. And these are things I have to learn. These are things that I'm going to have to start really genuinely taking seriously if I'm going to get anywhere with it. So, again, take with that what you will. We shouldn't be expecting so much of ourselves, especially for others, because it is mentally and emotionally exhausting at the end of the day. So, you know, if you are a creative person or if you've known anyone who has experienced constant burnout, I think that's a good place to really support people in your lives or even yourselves if you have. Just really ask yourself, like, why do I feel the need to do this? You know, there has to be some kind of reason why I continue in this pattern. And I feel like, for me anyway, once I was able to put a name to it, I was able to immediately just shove it to the side like it just didn't matter. And these past couple days that I've been realizing that and really thinking about it, I've been in total peace about burnout in my life 
what I can do, what I can't do, and the expectations that I've set for myself are basically minimal now other than I'm putting in the basic amount first. And anything on top of that is any extra effort I want to put in for any area of my life. And I do it because I know what I'm capable of and I know now how much I can take on. I don't have to be a yes man. I don't have to say yes to everything. I can say no to things. Guys, it is okay to say no. And if anyone treats you differently for saying no, what does that tell you about how you're being respected? You know, just just things to think about. And, you know, especially as creatives, most of my work that I do and most of my expertise in any given field is really just... I, I, I'm creative. I like to design. I like to write. I like to make music. I like to... I just really like to be hands-on with everything. And I think that ties into why my spiritual gift would be um, craftsmanship. You know, I, I attended a really cool talk at a local church last week that talked about art, creativity, and faith and how creativity and art is essential for the body of Christ and how we communicate the gospel, which the gospel is good news. You know, we have a lot of confusion on can art that's really not... <clears throat> you know, Christianized art really glorify God? And I think in a lot of ways, yes. And also in a lot of ways, no. I think it really depends on the artist's intention. But I know as creatives, we tend to be really hard on ourselves because we expect ourselves to be the best versions of ourselves right away because suddenly the whole world's watching what you're doing. You know, you put yourself out there on social media. You put yourself out there in your companies, in your friend groups, wherever it can be. And suddenly now it's all about oh, wow, this is how they see me because this is what I'm putting out about myself. This is how I'm expressing myself. And we, I feel like sometimes we're so afraid of failure that we just don't even try. And we get caught in this loop. Trust me, I know this so well. I used to be really bad at it. It's something I'm still working on, and I know in my own life. And it just it makes us freeze. And I think it goes back to what I talked about in an earlier episode. We get paralyzed in fear to the point of you know, this just isn't worth it, because what am I getting out of it now? Which, at the end of the day, closes you off to any new possibility or any way your life could potentially get better. If you don't take a risk, how are you going to know? You know, and if we try to focus so much on being the best versions of ourselves right away and being a, a super big-time professional in our 20s, or whatever that looks like without realizing that we're supposed to work on it the entire step the entire way it is a it is a learning process it's a growing process it's a process that where you learn your style where you learn your boundaries where you learn really everything that you're doing and i i feel like that's just a really powerful a really powerful thing to realize is that once you can set up those boundaries in place and once you become passionate about something that you want to share with people, I think is when we're at our most productive. We're at our most passionate, therefore we're at our most creative. You know, I hear it say the world doesn't need any more designers, the world doesn't need any more creators. Yes, it does. The world will always need people 
to visually, uh, auditorily, I don't even know if that's a word, I wish it was, it's kind of cool, or like physically building things in front of us. I don't know what the word for that is. You know, they say kinesthetic learner. I, uh, Hands-on. You, you know what I mean. The more we can... The more we can really truly be ourselves. And guess what? Even if you don't do creative work, guess what? You're still creative in the way you go about things in your life. You still have to figure things out. You still have to be a problem solver in pretty much every area of your life. Because that's what we do as human beings. We solve problems. Some people a little more creatively than others. Yes, some people are more talented than others. There are dozens of people that I know that are way more talented than me. Just like in a lot of ways, I'm more talented than a dozen other people too. I am no better or worse than anybody else, and none of us are. That's just reality. You know, some people have their gifts, others have theirs. And that is super cool that God continues to gift us those things. And that we all come from unique perspectives and everything. I want to encourage you guys, though, that as we go into the weeks ahead, and as really just the grind of the year really kicks off, what does that process look like for you? Is there a way to really, I don't know, create an experience for your life that really lays out a foundation for you to be that best version of yourself? And if you've started, how do you continue building on that and making it stronger and more resilient in the face of like trials and really tough seasons, guys? I'm, I'm coming out of a tough season, and I feel like this was the step I needed, really, to get to this point where I realized that my boundaries weren't being respected because I wasn't putting anything out there. I was just kind of going with the flow because I felt like I had to and it was exhausting me. It was. But now it doesn't have to. And I'm so excited to see what that turns into, especially in the next few weeks for me. I, uh... I mean... Because <laughs> really, at the end of the day, it is your life. And it is your responsibility to make sure you are living it to the fullest potential that you have. So, I just want to leave that to encourage you guys. So, this is going to be a really fun episode for me. Because I haven't done this in a while. But I wanted to do another top 10 movie reviews for you. I don't have any new updates on books or TV shows at the moment. Because I've really just been obsessed with movies. My whole life. But especially recently. Because I've had more free time to really indulge in them again. And really just... Let that be my relaxing point. And guys, that's just been so awesome. I'm, I'm so happy that I get to have the free time now to do this. But I, I had a really hard time finding out which movies I wanted to talk about. Oh, Samson, I'm sorry to wake you up, buddy. I'm sorry. It's okay, buddy. I'm going to go back to bed. There we go. Teenagers. They want your attention nonstop. So, fun story, actually, before I get into what I'm going to talk about. I had Samson on my bed, which is literally just right behind me, about two feet. And he was very uncomfortable on it. And all I did was just lay him down on it, and he screamed at me. Full-on screamed like he was in pain. I freak out, because I thought, oh, I hurt him. Because I couldn't see what happened. 
In fact, I'm going to touch his foot right now to make sure he's okay. Oh, he doesn't want to be touched right now. That's fine. And he just screamed. And my window's wide open, and I hear people down the street, you know, what the fuck is that? And I was like, you know what? <laughs> I don't even worry about it. I, I don't know what to say to that. But regardless, Samson's okay. I guess he just doesn't like the bed. It's sad, sure, but he still loves me. And that's what matters. Am I right or am I right? No. He's a good boy, though. Isn't he the goodest boy? Yeah, so the genre of movie that I wanted to talk about today is something that's near and dear to my heart. Um, for those of you who don't know, my dad has Alzheimer's. He's on the final stage of it. He is getting to the point now where he's pretty much lost his ability to speak coherently. He needs 24-7 care. Um, Alzheimer's is a hell of a disease. It's incredibly difficult to deal with and granted i haven't been on the front end of it as much as my mom and sister have because they still live in albuquerque but guys it's um it's tough but one thing i remember before my dad got really sick one thing he and i would do is we would stay up and we would watch movies especially on school nights we would stay up like watch one or two movies he'd usually fall asleep i'd go back to my room put myself to sleep but my dad had some favorite movies and really helped me develop my passion for them. I, God, this is such a hard topic for me to talk about because it breaks my heart to see someone who was so encouraging in my life. Just really in this area, I mean, my dad and I didn't have the best relationship ever, but we also didn't have the worst one. But now looking back at it, I'm trying to be a little more grateful for the good that happened and our movie times and discussions were the best i remember we would stop five to ten minutes into a movie and talk about the actors the director the set anything that stood out to us any cool little movie nerd geekdom kind of thing it was just it was fun and it was something that we had and that nobody else could take from us and if you're listening to this and you don't have that with your parents and you still have them around, or you still know them, like, I just want to encourage you, form that with your parents, guys. You don't have them forever. And watch just how well your relationships grow. Even if it's hard right now, even if you don't know where to go or what to do. Like, your parents could be in a hard situation right now. Reach out to them. I bet they'd love to hear from you. But back to what I was talking about, enough of the uh, tangents here. We would always like to watch the funny movies first. You know, we would cycle through a ton of the, uh, you know, funny 1970s, 1980s comedies. And I love telling jokes. I consider myself a pretty funny guy. I have a really unique sense of humor, one that... Uh, has been known to scare people in the past, but if you get scared at my sense of humor, that really just sucks to suck, doesn't it? I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Just uh, stop being scared. You know, don't be a bitch. Just laugh sometimes. You know, that's that's too mean. Is it, though? I don't really care. But I like to make people laugh. I like to quote 
movie quotes that people get when like the timing is right there's a scenario that i think is similar and people get it they laugh it relieves some of that tension right but i want to give you guys the top 10 in order funniest movies i have ever seen and these are all movies i some of them are available to stream you'd have to do your research uh, others i know you would definitely have to buy just either because of how old they are or because of, I guess, just they're not very popular for the most part, but they're definitely 100% worth checking out. These are some of my favorite movies of all time in here, but without a doubt, the funniest movies I've ever seen. So let's go ahead and get into it. All right, guys, let's go ahead and kick off this list. The 10 funniest movies I have ever seen. Number 10 being Tucker and Dale versus Evil. I believe this one is still on Amazon Prime. I uh, could be totally wrong about that, but basically, it is a 2010 horror comedy movie. I have to say horror slowly because people will hear horror and think I say horror. See what I did there? Wink, wink. Um, don't want that to be, you know, mixed up. But Tucker and Dale vs. Evil tells the story of these two <laughs> these two guys in the backwoods who buy this cabin, but they want to fix it up, and they realize it has some dangers and everything. So basically, they're just trying to make it their own, make it their home. Meanwhile, a group of college students from out of town come by, and they get the wrong impression of these guys, that they're these scary, you know, backwoods stalkers, murderers. And in probably one of the most hilarious ways I've ever played at, seen played out in a movie, things just go bad at the worst time, and there were no bad intentions at all. It's, <laughs> it has some of the best scenes and, like, some of the best chemistry between actors in... I, you know what? <laughs> just, just watch the movie. I can't really explain too much about it without giving too much away. But has some of the funniest one-liners, has some of the funniest on-screen death scenes in a movie ever. Just, you never would have thought would have happened until you see it. Like, guys, super funny movie, not even scary at all. If you're super sensitive about horror movies and anything scary, this is definitely not something to be cautious of. It's just, it's a, it's a ton of fun. Like, guys are girls night and you want to watch something just fun. I, I strongly recommend Tucker and Dale vs. Evil. You will not regret watching that movie. It's, to this day, it's one of my go-to movies whenever I'm bored or just want to watch something to really genuinely laugh for about an hour and a half. It's really about it for me on a cheesy B-movie horror movie kind of stuff, but man, it, it's fun to watch. Number nine, I have the movie Shaun of the Dead. Guys, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost are, they're just the best duo ever, honestly. I mean, you have three of some of the funniest movies they've made. You have Shaun of the Dead, you have Hot Fuzz, you have At World's End, and then you have The Disaster, that was the movie Paul, but we don't talk about Paul. Um, yeah, Shaun of the Dead, I think, really kicked off. Those two, I think Hot Fuzz came after, and then At World End was the last one. But Shaun of the Dead tells the story of an average everyday man, played by Simon Pegg, who, his name is Shaun, you know, believe it or not. And things just aren't going well in his life, and you know, he's trying to manage 
dying romance, trying to move on with his life in the midst of an oncoming zombie apocalypse. It's a British movie, and British humor can be kind of weird if you're not used to it. Which, if you're not used to it, get used to it, because, you know, maybe it's just time to grow up a bit. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just spitballing here, you know? But... While trying to manage the zombie apocalypse, he and his friends continue to grow closer to each other. You find out some history of the town they're in, and you you just have to see what happens in this movie. I I love a scene where they're confronting a zombie and they're just they have this box of vinyl records, and a zombie's slowly walking to them and they're going through the vinyl like is it is it trash or is it actually good? And if it's trash, they're just throwing the records at the zombie and shattering it like on uh, her face, I think. And nothing's happening, they're just, but they're just slowly going through this as the zombies approaching them. It's one of my favorite scenes in that movie, and super funny, super worth your time. I don't know if it's streaming anywhere, but Shaun of the Dead, I remember my dad watching that one with me, and I, I didn't think he would enjoy it, and he actually did enjoy it. You know, sometimes I have good ideas, right? Uh, the next movie on my list was actually my dad's favorite funny funny movie of all time and even though it's up there for me it wasn't quite in my top five but number eight i have ferris bueller's day off i know some people are probably thinking like oh well that movie's a classic why is it so low on your list well the fact that it's in the top 10 at all means it's one of my favorites um it's a john hughes movie for those of you who don't know john hughes directed the Breakfast Club, Sixteen Candles, uh, I think he did the first Home Alone movie. I'm trying to remember if that was him or if that was Chris Columbus, I couldn't remember. Well, either way, here we are. And, uh, well, what is it, Samson? Oh, he's just licking me. Freaked me out for a minute. He was licking my ankle and I was like, not today, Satan. I'm gonna kick whatever that is and then it's, it's Samson. Don't worry, you guys can't prove if I'm kicking him or not because you only hear me through a microphone. Haha. <laughs> but Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh, if you don't know what this movie's about, shame on you. But if you do know what the movie's about, then I don't need to explain it. But I will explain it for you guys because it is just so worth it. The content, the jokes, the cultural relevance that it's pretty much everywhere at this point that this movie has is outstanding has a young matthew broderick jennifer gray alan ruck i think is his name um yeah i'm having a hard time remembering the principal's name too but he was the emperor in the movie amadeus which is my favorite movie ever of all time amadeus i'll talk about that one in, the, in another uh episode for you guys but uh ferris bueller's day off man it's about this kid ferris bueller who Continues to fake sick days because he just wants to live life to the fullest for what it is. And his sister's not a big fan of that. She's, she's, yeah, she's actually really mad about it, but everyone believes that he's sick and he convinces the whole school that he's dying and everyone's in on it just so he can have the day off and tour Chicago with his girlfriend and his best friend. His best friend is super uptight, by the way, and doesn't want in on it. But then eventually just ends up going on it. And basically they all get caught up in these hilarious situations. The principal's trying to catch them. And then he ends up failing in miserable ways. And guys, it is such a funny movie. Give it, give it a watch. Give it a go. It's from 1986. 
So some people might say, oh, that's totally outdated. It's, you know, I was born 11 years after that movie came out. That's really not that long of a time ago. But Ferris Bueller's Day Off to this day, probably one of the funniest movies I've seen. It's very lighthearted, very, very nostalgic in a weird way, but it's also very, very hopeful too, because it ends on a really good note. And more people just need exposure to that kind of movie. It's it's a great one. I don't know if you can stream it anywhere. I know it's pretty cheap if you buy it. It might still be on Netflix. I think that was the last place I saw it, but I don't have Netflix right now because Netflix is only good for awards movie season. Um, fight me on that. Or if there's a good TV show that comes out. You know, I, I got it because of Squid Game and watched all that, and I'm like, okay, what else can I waste my time on on Netflix? I don't know. I don't want to, so then I deleted it. But Ferris Bueller's Day Off, 10 out of 10 would recommend watching at least five times. Um, totally worth it. The next movie, and this one, this one kind of shocked some people when I would tell them, like, how much I love this movie, because no one really expects me to say this, because it is so just out there for a lot of people, and I know not everybody's a Seth Rogen fan, uh, I don't really care because Seth Rogen he's funny and then he's not funny it's hard for me to find if he's always funny or not because some of his jokes are just so like meh but in this case in this movie the way everything played out the way everything went it was so, it was just so much fun to watch and just watching all the celebrity cameos in it and everything that happened guys this movie is one of my favorites to this day. It is, this is the end. Oh boy, you know, I'm probably gonna get a lot of crap for that. Um, full disclosure, even though these are some really great movies, they're not in my top 10 necessarily. It's uh, Pineapple Express and Superbad are the other two great movies. But at the end of the day, I think this is the end ended up being more of my favorite because it was you could tell everybody who was in it was having a genuine blast doing it. Nothing was serious in this movie. Everything was just genuinely funny. And I love movies that are like that, especially ones with the big name casts who are very self-aware in what they're doing. It's, it's fun to watch. And sometimes that's really all you need. We don't need this super deep commentary on life all the time. We don't need this artistic interpretation of a plastic bag flying through the wind you know i'm not talking about the Katy perry song i'm talking about the movie american beauty great movie but you know not every movie is supposed to be that way but this is the end is basically just all these celebrities go to james franco's house played by james franco to have a party and then the world starts ending and all these other big name celebrities start dying uh, emma watson plays hermione in the harry potter movies is in this movie she has some of the funniest parts in this movie uh, I wish she would do more comedies. She's she's genuinely funny. But anyway, the, it, the movie just takes so many twists and turns. It's very, very R-rated. But so, so very worth it. Guys, this is the end. Great movie. I'm also a big Jonah Hill fan. I know people are hit or miss with Jonah Hill. I have a lot of respect for him. And I've always thought he was great. From his involvement in 21 Jump Street to actually the next movie on my list. He's just, he's great all around. Um, 
But the next movie on my list is The Wolf of Wall Street. This is a Martin Scorsese movie. I I remember I never watched this movie until I was in high school. And I think it was the year after it came out because for my birthday at school, I had some of my friends in the theater department because that's when I started getting highly involved. Made me a cake and got me a gift. I was super honored. That had never happened to me before. Uh, funny enough, I don't really talk to any of these people today because our, we just kind of went our separate ways and, you know, as we do after we leave high school. But they said, we couldn't decide on getting you a DVD copy of Dallas Buyers Club or The Wolf of Wall Street, so we just got you The Wolf of Wall Street. And I knew, like, okay, this is a movie my parents definitely would not let me watch just because the amount of sex, drugs, and alcohol in this movie is a lot. It's, uh, it's a lot. But The Wolf of Wall Street tells the story of Jordan Belfort, played incredibly well by Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, he's, he's just good in everything, and everybody knows it, so I'm not going to gush about him as much, who basically makes his rise to the top in the world of finance through scamming people and basically tipping over to the point of access to the point where he loses pretty much everything that he could. Um, This is another very hard movie to describe because so much happens, and I think it runs at like two hours and 40 minutes. It's a long movie. It's definitely one you gotta sit through. But it's a good thing because that almost three-hour run time is it just levels up in entertainment from scene to scene. Martin Scorsese is a phenomenal director, one of my all-time favorites, and this was unlike anything I had ever seen him do. Now, talk about range. He, just as a filmmaker, is so good at what he does. But Wolf of Wall Street, again, has a career-best Jonah Hill. It's my favorite role I've seen him in. He deserved his Oscar nomination for it, in my opinion. God... The whole scene where he quits after, like, you show me that pay stuff for $72,000, I quit my job right now. It's it's so good. The dialogue, the acting, the little subtle movements everybody's making. It just, it was, it was perfectly cast, and I think it was Margot Robbie's first big movie, too. And she's, she was great in it, too. She's, she's good in everything she does. But yeah, Wolf of Wall Street is, it's just, it's so good. I can talk forever about it. I won't because we'd be here all night. But for the sake of time, I just want to move on. We're now getting into my top five funniest movies of all time. And just another quick disclaimer here. This is just my opinion. Everybody can be, you know, have whatever opinion they want about it. These are just movies that had the most impact on me as far as you know, what I find funny and what my sense of humor is because there's usually some kind of harder truth to it. That or it's just fun to watch. And sometimes that's really all you need. You know, our pastor and everybody who says, like, laughing is the best medicine, and in a lot of ways that's true. Laughter is the best medicine. Because if we weren't laughing, it would be a pretty miserable world we live in. But these top five movies... I've gotten a lot of like criticism for for being up there my favorites and I've gotten a lot of praise for I've gotten a lot of oh what is that I've never heard of that and a lot of really that movie sucked it's all objective guys or subjective whatever whatever the words are I'm tired it's been a day well here we go my top five so number five coming in is 
National Lampoon's Animal House. No Christmas Vacation, guys. I, unpopular opinion, I cannot stand the Christmas Vacation because I've I've watched it way too many times. People are like, what? How do you get tired of that movie? Well, it's really easy to get tired of that movie, despite what everybody else says. Um, it is what it is. But Animal House, my God, it is very hard for me to get tired of that movie, especially with a uh, John, a legendary John Belushi in that movie. Um, and I think the guy who played D Day in that movie, the guy who was on the motorcycle, he was in the movie. That's actually also on my list. Uh, my cousin Vinny. That's uh, like a, kind of an honorable mention movie for me too. It's not quite in my top ten, but my cousin Vinny's still another great movie that has Joe Pesci, Marissa Tomei, who won an Oscar for it. Ralph Macchio from The Karate Kid. Beside the point, go watch my cousin Vinny too, even though that's not on my top ten. Um, Animal House. Just. A classic college movie, what it's like doing Greek life from the perspective of these college students, and I think it took place in the 60s, I'm pretty sure. It was something that my dad told me before I graduated high school. He's like, no son of mine is going to college without watching Animal House because you need the pre-college experience. And he was really hoping I would do Greek life, and I just never did. I didn't really show enough interest in it. I kind of regret it now, but I am going back to college, so I guess I'll see what happens. But Animal House, my god. Classic scenes, classic characters. I'm not even going to tell you what this movie's about. You just have to watch it. I don't know where you can stream it, but I know you can buy it for pretty cheap. I found it at Walmart for like six bucks once. Bought it. One of the best choices I made. Yeah, it's just a group of college students navigating life, love, and all that fun stuff. And I think it kind of kick-started the college movie stereotype and trend in a lot of ways we have the classic food fight scene in the cafeteria we have the <laughs> the horse having a heart attack from the fake gun <laughs> we have the disaster of a parade sequence at the end guys it is a hundred percent worth the time and effort to watch this movie go watch animal house yeah sure it's r-rated but like it was made in 1978, so things were kind of kind of different as a result of that. Um, but take what you will from it. It's still a pretty raunchy movie, so you've been warned. <laughs> Number four. Yeah, I, I'm just curious, too. I, this might shock people, because I've talked about movies that I said are the funniest, but now that I'm actually saying it out loud in a list, that makes sense, because I spent some time on this list. It doesn't really line up with what I thought was the funniest movie I've ever seen. Because, to be honest, they're all hilarious in their own rights. These ones just stuck with me the most. And they're movies I've watched with other people and all around because we all find them funny in our own ways. The other movies above, sure, I've watched a dozen times with a dozen people. But these ones specifically, especially these top five are the ones that I always make a point to bring up. Especially, like, you know, you have a bad day. You have, you know, a lot on your mind. You want to relax. These are my go-to movies for that. But I'm surprised these ended up in my top five. 
but it makes sense after putting the time into thinking about it. Anyway, back to what we were talking about. Number four for me is Mean Girls. I'm a guy. I don't normally like chick flicks, but Mean Girls is a literal work of art. It's it's perfect. It's it's funny, it's relevant, it's has some of the best comedic acting and timing I've ever seen in a movie. Uh, Tina Fey did such a good job with the script. I you know, people find her problematic. I think she's hilarious. Eh, people are going to be mad about everything. What are you going to do? But Mean Girls, it's it's a classic at this point. Everybody knows how to quote this movie. We all know the characters. We know the general plot. So I'm not really going to get into what Mean Girls is about. Um, I think it's either still on Netflix or they just took it off. But I used to have the biggest crush on Lindsay Lohan until 2007 happened. And I was like, ooh, no thank you. No thank you. But uh, yeah, Mean Girls. I remember showing my dad that movie that fir- the first time. Because my dad had a huge crush on Tina Fey. And... It was just, like, watching his face light up at, like, man, is this what kids really go through in high school? And that movie was made almost 20 years ago, guys. 18 years ago that movie came out. And it still has so much relevance into what's happening in high schools now. It's, it's kind of ridiculous. But, regardless, Mean Girls, it's a classic. Watch it if you haven't. If you haven't watched it, like, <laughs> let me know. I might actually do a watch party of it. Because it's, yeah, it, that, that's mandatory viewing if you're going to be alive in this day and age. It's, you, you gotta, you gotta watch it. Number three, this is kind of a, kind of a screwball here because not a lot of people know this movie. But if you like classic movies, then you are going to know exactly what I'm talking about. Just for context though, I will say Stanley Kubrick is one of my favorite directors visionaries artists of all time the shining was the first horror movie i ever watched one of the scariest i've ever seen um the clockwork orange terrifying full metal jacket the best probably the second best movie i've seen about vietnam um i have a lot of opinions on vietnam war movies but that's a topic for another time i'll probably do like another review of just war movies in general I might have some guests on there who are actual, like, veterans who know more what they're talking about when they see the technical side of it, because I think that would be a fun thing to bring you guys. Let me know what you think, actually. I'll put a question in the show notes if you think having a episode talking about, like, war movies and books and TV shows and kind of what, I guess, the veterans, the men and women who have served our country recommend and view is, like... I guess, either the best told or their personal favorites. I think that'd be a cool thing to bring, but let me know if that's something you guys are interested in. I'll go ahead and get something arranged. I think that would be fun. But this movie also starred the late, great Peter Sellers, who was the original Inspector Clouseau in the Pink Panther movies, which are great, hilarious movies that definitely need to be watched by everybody. This movie, number three, is Dr. Strangelove, or How I Learned to Love the Atomic Bomb. We've probably heard lines from this movie before. Um, this is another very hard one to explain. You have to have the right, like, historical context for it. But it's basically about, like, the decision to drop a bomb, an atomic bomb. 
And it's a brilliant social commentary on American politics, nuclear war. One of my favorite lines in the movie, I probably think this is probably the most iconic line in the movie, is there's no fighting in here, this is the war room. Yeah, it's super ironic, super super sarcastic, really, this movie. And it, it caused a lot of controversy when it came out, and I think it came out like the mid to late 60s, so this is, you know, tensions were hot after World War II, the Korean War into Vietnam. Um, just everything was super intense about this. And I remember my dad making me watch this, not just because of what it was about, but because he loved the Pink Panther movies and introduced me to Peter Sellers through that. But it's definitely not light watching compared to the other ones. It, it's light watching if you're just mindlessly going through like, oh, this is an interesting movie. But like, it's not light in the sense that you have to think through the movie because you really don't have to do too much work to think about this movie but it definitely leaves a lot open to interpretation and it's it's just such a well done movie you have to really sit down and pay attention to the nuances the setting the historical context of what they're talking about but what makes this movie so funny is that it's so satirical at its point and everybody is so exaggerated in what they're doing and how they're doing it that you cannot help but laugh like, oh, this would actually happen. I don't want to give anything away because I feel like if I talked about the synopsis of the story specifically, it would give a lot away. But this is one that's kind of hard to find on a streaming service. If you find it, good, like, please let me know. I'd love to know where it is so I don't have to pay money to watch it. But I also would gladly pay money to watch it because it's a great movie. All right. Top two. The second one I've gotten a lot of like weird looks for because both the first and the second one I think are great in their own ways but the first one just holds such a special place in my heart because of just how how good it actually is. It's a uh, Borat. Yep, I said Borat. The second one is on Amazon Prime. Uh, the second one, great movie, but you cannot watch that one without watching the first, otherwise you have no idea what's happening. The memes, the other references to the first movie won't do it justice. You actually have to watch the first movie in its entirety to understand what's happening in Borat 2. Um, Sasha Baron Cohen is one of the greatest comedic actors of our time, and how that man isn't dead after doing Borat and Borat 2, and Bruno and the Dictator, and everything else he's done i'm not sure but the man's a genius he's very creative he's very funny and he's very good at bringing you into his world right away like you know exactly where he's gonna be you know exactly what he's gonna do but at the same time he's super unpredictable and you have no idea what he's gonna do next i, I i've kind of seen him in some dramatic roles i talked about the movie sweeney todd last time uh he was uh Pirelli, the barber in that, had a pretty funny bit in that, didn't die a very pleasant death, but you know, it's kind of how it goes, being an Italian barber in 1800s of London. London, ooh, wow, kind of butchered the L on that too a little bit. Anyway, Borat tells a story of a man named Borat Sagdeev from, uh, I think it's Kazakhstan, yeah, 
my god, I love this movie so much, you think I'd remember where he's from. But in Kazakhstan, he gets a job to go to America and report on their cultural learnings. And along the way, he fits pretty much every stereotype you can think on how the world views America into a movie. And offends a lot of people on the way. I, I watched this movie, I think it came out in 2006, and I didn't watch it until two years ago for the first time. Just because I had never gotten around to watching it. And five minutes in, I'm on the floor laughing my ass off because it's just, he's so funny at being so blunt and so dry with his humor, but like, you know what he's talking about. And it takes a very special skill to get that. But he travels through the country and like, finds a bunch of different quests and adventures and stuff to go on. I think he ended up winning a Golden Globe for it. He, he won a Golden Globe for the second one too, which is a hard feat to pull off and... My God, this man deserved it. He's so funny and just... His humor is so smart, too. It's it's so... You know, it might come across as dumb, but once you really listen to what he's saying and what he's trying to get across, it's incredibly well done. Um, but I will say, though, the uh, food fight scene about in the last two-thirds of the movie, um, I've been scarred forever because of that scene. Some people say it went on too long. I say it was just right. But I will never get those images out of my head. As funny as that scene is, I think I had to pause the movie because I was laughing so hard for about 10 minutes. I'm not kidding. I was laughing that hard. But Borat, man, my God. You think like... I, I, I don't know. You you would think one of these days it would be just kind of... You know, what do you do with a character like that? Nobody else can play him. You know, that's basically his baby. That's what put him in the big leagues, I think, with Hollywood and comedy in general. And, yeah, it, they're both very controversial movies, but I think they're only controversial because they make people uncomfortable, not because it's saying anything super out there or strange. Like, it's stuff that's happening all around us. He's just... He portrays it in such a blunt direct way they have no choice but to watch it in its entirety and I, I have a lot of respect for that I think yeah Borat is one of the funniest movies ever made but that leads us into movie number one this is another oldie but a goodie the impact that this movie's had on me just <laughs> it is one of the weirdest movies from a humor standpoint for me because I never I never knew about this movie until after watching Animal House. But I knew, like, my mom... Like, well, it's kind of hard to explain this. Basically, my mom was, oh, you probably shouldn't watch this. And my dad kind of snuck it to me, like, here, watch it. It's an R-rated movie, sure, but, man, had some of the comedy giants at the time. This movie is Caddyshack. Now, I know what you're thinking. Oh, I haven't heard of that movie. Well, there's a young Bill Murray in it. Enough said. This movie is very lighthearted. A great summer movie to watch. Like, late spring, summer. This is this is a movie that I would watch after graduating from college. Just to go chill with my friends for a couple weeks somewhere. 
because it's just it gives off that kind of vibe for me but it tells the story of a country club we have a young man who is working as a caddy boy for these rich wealthy guys who do nothing but play golf all day and the country club owner has a really hard time with his competition played by uh, Rodney Dangerfield who he was a very very raunchy comedian but he had the best character in this movie I I still think about his interactions with some of the characters. You know, there's a scene where they're at a dance at the country club, and he goes up to the club owner's wife, and he goes, Oh, hey, honey, you must have been something before electricity. And then you realize this movie came out in 1980, and you're like, okay, that's probably not too far off. But still, like, come on, man. That's that's brutal. Like, She's already dead. Come on. But, you know... <laughs> You got this young man who's a caddy there and wants to grow in his career. He's trying to navigate love, life, falls in love with the country club's granddaughter. Club owner's granddaughter. There we go. Words are hard sometimes. And in the meantime, you have these secondary characters who come into everything. You have Chevy Chase, who's trying to like mentor people, but he's really bad at it. And then you have Bill Murray, who's the groundskeeper, who is... Like, just incredibly horny all the time. <laughs> Making comments on every... Like, all the women walking by. Like, today probably wouldn't fly in a movie, but what are you gonna do? The movie's already made. And he's trying to catch a gopher that's destroying the grounds. And that's, like, the subplot of the movie. The movie basically ends up... With... All the characters coming together and watching the country club, basically... Get pretty much destroyed but it's the events leading up to it at the end of the movie that you just can't help but laugh the entire time because it's just, just such a fun lighthearted movie i haven't seen it in a while i probably need to go back and rewatch it but i freaking love it i love it it's it's so good but yeah those are my uh those are my top 10 favorite funniest movies of all time guys i they bring me a lot of joy, and I hope if you all give them a chance to watch them too, they bring you a ton of joy as well. Alright, so that pretty much wraps up this episode, episode 9. Guys, I can't believe we're about to hit 10 episodes. I know we don't have a guest yet working on it, but like, it's brought me so much joy to share this with all of you and to really bring something that I'm passionate about to you guys, to provide you with content that you're going to enjoy, to provide you with things that... You know, you can look forward to in your week without having to think like, oh, well, hmm, that's not something I would have found interesting or I just got to go back into my nine to five and be bored all day. No, you don't. You do not have to be bored all day. I do the movie reviews because they bring me joy. And if you guys have seen these movies, you got to tell me what your favorite scene in those movies are. I'd love to hear that from you. I get some feedback on it. Because <laughs> who doesn't love a good comedy movie, guys? I it, It's really hard to hate these movies, in my opinion. But they're not for everybody, and I guess that's okay. But seriously, like, going back to what we talked about with boundaries and everything, I just want to encourage you guys to really pursue what that means for you this week, and don't forget to have fun while doing it. Like, it's supposed to be a journey of exploration and finding out who you are what you like what you don't like and funny things are going to happen along the way weird things are going to happen along the way i just want to encourage you to embrace that because that's a part of life 
and that's something we all have to deal with in our own ways. But how how fun is that, right? I uh, I couldn't be more grateful for the people in my life who have really come alongside me to encourage me in my boundaries and really laying out a foundation for the rest of my life to move forward. You know, I had to learn a lot about myself in my early 20s, a lot of mistakes, regrets. I think we all have that. But it's not something that I'm just sitting here letting myself live in like, oh, what was me? It's something that I'm actively encouraged about doing better in and being more of who I'm supposed to be, the man that I'm going to be for my future wife, kids, friends, whoever else I meet down the road. And hopefully one of these nights, you know, when I'm at that point, we have a movie night and we get to repeat the cycle with these movies. You know, bring some joy, get people gathered around, get some food going, get some drinks. I should do a watch party. I think if I do a live stream on Twitch, we'll we'll pick a movie to watch. I'll do a poll or something. And if people want to stop by or just watch online, that would be cool. I wouldn't collect any proceeds from it or anything. It would just be... We're all just going to sit, gather, watch a movie. I think I'm going to do it. And I think I'm going to do it at some point this week. So, that's, uh, again, that pretty much just wraps up this episode. Thank you all for your continued support and patronage and listenership, if that's even a real word either. I don't know anymore. But it it means a ton to me. I'm very grateful to have all of you who are here who do find what I'm saying to be informative fun exciting and that i'm actually giving you good insights you know i've gotten some feedback from a few of you and a few of my friends who have said like hey you know you have a really good insight about all this and it's helping me it's actually helping me get more active in my life and pursuing my mission what that looks like and I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that because that's the point of what I'm doing this for. This is for all of you. It's a, it's a way for me to kind of like give a verbal journal of stuff that I'm learning and share what I'm learning with you guys. And share my passions and the things that I like with you guys too. But at the same time, it's for you to have that space to really, you know, take a step back, think and realize like, hey, my problems aren't uniquely my own. This guy gets it. Because guess what I do? Granted, I haven't experienced everything out there, but I understand how hard it is, especially as creatives living in a world where it seems like we have to be on display all the time, which isn't true. You know? For future episodes, too, it's going to be more interview-based, for sure, once we get the guest schedule rotation going. Pretty uh, smoothly, Samson, get your head out of the out of the desk thank you um he had his head wrapped around my desk table and i almost stepped on him and i I wouldn't want to do that now would i or maybe i am what are you gonna do i'm kidding no nobody call the cops please we after that terrifying neighbor incident the other day i i don't want to deal with any more cops or anybody coming into the neighborhood kind of yelling at each other and potentially hitting that was a i hope there's some follow-up from the cops for that because that was a scary thing to watch um yeah so that being said guys 
donations are live on Anchor, on Spotify. I don't think you can access them through Spotify unless you click the link to Anchor. But you can donate for as little as a dollar a month. You can do five. You can do ten dollars a month, guys. My whole point for doing this, and again, totally optional. I don't want to force anything out of anybody. My goal is to get more equipment so that as the podcast and as the website and the blog and every the blog, there we go, continue to grow. I want to be able to provide more, better quality, higher quality equipment, material, and content for you guys. And unfortunately, there's only a limit with what you do have right now and how far that can go. But it is totally optional at this point. That is something that if you do feel passionate about donating or you do believe in what the mission of AMP or the Active Mission pod is... I am eternally grateful and would appreciate any and all donations coming. That's that's it for the episode, guys. You all have a good rest of your week, and I will keep you updated on future guests. And, yeah, enjoy, enjoy your week and get some rest.